What's up, y'all? Let's go. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Podcast. Follow me. Discover the latest social media marketing techniques from the world's leading experts. From top to bottom. This is the podcast where business professionals come together to master social media without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. With no further ado, turn it up. Here's your host, the one and only Neil Schaefer. Hey everybody, this is Neil Schaefer. Welcome to another exciting episode of Maximize Your Social. As I like to do when I travel, this recording is going to come from the road, specifically here in an old train or bus station or a maintenance facility for train train maintenance facility a a train maintenance facility of all places in copenhagen denmark hey hey as they say here hello hello and i am joined today i'm actually here to speak at the spark marketing and social media marketing conference been an amazing day of well hundreds if not thousands of european marketers here to, to join in the festivities and i'm here this conference is being run by the folks at falcon now if you are in the united states you probably think about Hootsuite. If you're in Europe, you think about Falcon. That is how a large of a uh, social media, I don't want to say dashboard because they, they have so much functionality. And I've been really impressed by how innovative their tool is. And I'm here with their CEO, Ulrich Bo Larsen. Ulrich, welcome to Maximize Your Social. Thanks, Neil. It's uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming to the event. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on and uh, really like what, what you're speaking about. So thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor, and I enjoyed what you were speaking about. For some of you that know, I used to have a conference called the Social Tool Summit, and maybe a lot of you have invested money in a tool, and then a year or two later, you find out that the tool really hasn't changed, but uh, social media has changed, and uh, Falcon really represents an extremely innovative company, never sitting still, and Ulrich gave an inspiring presentation on that, of, of moving forward with their customers as they move forward. And in fact, I was talking about sort of throwing away organic social, throwing away your own content uh, and working with influencers, uh, the topic of the business of influence for those of you that are following me. But today's podcast is not about me. It's about Ulrich. It's about Falcon. And it's about really understanding, because Falcon works with so many brands here, of the unique IP uh, that the folks at Falcon have that Ulrich has in, in developing and, and innovating with this tool. Ulrich, I don't want to date this podcast, so I'd like to provide content that's evergreen. So what are, let's start with, what are these successful things you see brands doing in, in social and in digital these days. And I know you're probably always focusing on the problems, but let's first celebrate the successes. Yeah, so I think what, what a lot of folks have realized, and I think what, what we've had a front row seat uh, to kind of witness, is that you know a lot, of these, a lot of these great things that people want to achieve on these channels, which is often starts with a marketing message, or you, want to, you want to get a specific message out, you want to set up a specific product, you want to create awareness around a brand. A lot of those things are, you know, especially in, I would say, in, in the mid-market and, and some of the more innovative enterprise companies, people are starting to realize that a lot of those things are very intertwined. So let's say you, you put out a, a piece of content or a part of a campaign and a message. What, what really has happened, which really was what started happening on social, was that those nice finely tuned marketing events would have somebody barf on them by way of you know, a customer service event or something that happened in public that, that people really, really like. And uh, what, I've, what I think what we've had a front row seat to is the development where that de-siloing had to happen because of the change consumer behavior. And it's been a thing that we've been very vocal about. We build a, a tool platform that's really broad in the sense that it really wants to encompass a bunch of different use cases on quite a few different channels. So really kind of unifying, as we like to say, defragmenting 
the challenges across both fragmented channels and and silo uh, silos within the within the organizations is what we've uh, we've seen a lot of uh, companies move in that direction. Mm. And I think while that's not a specific shiny example per se, I think it's a very big seismic shift. And I think it's kind of interesting that what ended up de-siloing certain organizations wasn't, you know, Accenture talking about it for, you know, it started talking about 20 years ago. Yeah. Nothing happened. And because of consumer behavior in these specific channels, it started to happen. I think we've had, as I say, a front row seat of that. That's awesome. I mean, we, we talk about even some of the titles of people in your company, customer success, customer experience marketing. Is that marketing? Is yep. it customer support? Yep. It, it really... There's a very specific story there where actually our Jillian, who, who co-hosts along with one of the team members here, here, at the, here at the event, is our customer experience uh, VP. And she actually ran marketing. And what, oh, wow. we, what we realized was, well, the core of our message in marketing should be the customer story. It should be the examples of what we're doing. And who better to lead, she's a great executive, but who better to lead that than somebody who has really understands that and, and can kind of, kind of tie those two things together. So at the moment, we, we don't have a VP marketing. We have a VP CX and demand gen as two separate things. Awesome. And, um, and that's because of that dynamic that we're really trying to live and breathe ourselves. Let me give a shout out to my friend Dan uh, Gingis, and I'll have to recommend the book to you because he writes about uh, social customer care and, and social customer experience, and he's been talking about this very same thing for the last uh, uh, year or two, so that's great to hear. So what about, I don't want to say the failures, but the areas where you find brands can, um, th there's a gap there, there's more that they should be doing, um, the greatest room for improvement, where would you say those general areas are? Yeah, I think that's really, I think in a broad sense, running things on autopilot. So, you know, doing the same things you did three years ago and not, you know, kind of racing your eyes out and seeing that, that you know, the landscape has changed. And, and I think that has a number of different, there's enough number of different permutations of that. One is just, you know, planning out stale content. And uh, that's one of the things that our customer success folks are, you know, we actually monitor specifically the content performance of, um, of the brands that we work with and the, the strategies and the customer success flows we have will engage in a conversation around the quality of the, uh, even of the content and of the reach and, and the, the, you know, the, the cadence and, and whether or not you're using ad spend in the right way is a thing we've been thinking a lot about as we also announced here today in the event. We're really trying to, to do, you know, really trying to help, I think, a, a big phenomenon that, that's happening right now, which is that as, as organic reach has declined, uh, you know, the folks that would normally put out content in a certain cadence and, and get, get a you know, certain amount of reach, depending on how the rest of that, they're still really, really adept and the best folks to really man and, uh, and operate those channels, to stand the tone of voice, they, they know how to finger on their feet. And, um, and do great content that's, you know, even hyper-topical and all those things that we always say you want to do. And it would be great if that could be tied together with what the performance marketing guys are often doing. So they're, as I said today, you know, they're off in another end of the spectrum, you know, understanding their CAC to LTV completely. They, you know, they work with DMPs and CDP. They do all those things. But what they don't have is access to hyper-topical really they basically could have better payload on all the work that they're doing 
and we think that bringing together the content guys with the performance marketing guys in, in with specific unique tooling that we've done is, is one of the things that, that we think needs to be different, solving a problem that we observed over some time. We had performance marketing on one side doing one thing, and, and the content guys uh, working somewhat siloed, even within this, uh, this small segment of the org, mm -hmm. and which was something we, 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 we acted upon, so to speak. I think the great marketing author, Seth Godin, I saw him speak once. He talked about the lizard brain, that there is something in our brains that says we want to do repeatable things because yeah. they make us feel good. I think we find that with social media marketers. We finally have our editorial calendar down. We have our mix down. We'll just, you know, repeat this whole process and the content becomes stale, becomes out of date, and uh, the consumer's moved on and the way we utilize these technologies uh, has evolved. So I think that's a great message. And if you're if you're still doing the same thing you did a year or two ago, you're, you're completely missing the boat at this point. Yep. Uh, you miss on the opportunity. So that's a really, really good reminder. Um, any other uh, big things that you see marketers missing out of? You know, I, I personally see that there's chances for uh, to engage as a brand that very few brands do. I see, obviously, the visual social is where brands normally are, are underperforming. Any thoughts on that? Um, no, I think that a lot of things are moving towards, you know, visual content. And um, it obviously, you know, sometimes changes the need for kind of the you know, the expertise you need internally to produce that is different than just writing copy. But but it's all those things are, are are coming together. So I think you need to engage with perhaps a new set of agencies to help you out produce some of that content, and you need to staff your own your own teams in ways so that you can maneuver what is you know the, the changing landscape of what content formats are working. And you know, it's video, it's visual video, now it's portrait instead of landscape. I mean, all those things are constantly happening, right? And you, right. you just need to be ready for, for that and embrace it as you know, an exciting line of work rather than, oh my God, I thought I had it down right. because that's never going to happen. So I, I would say that, that there's actually one of the things that we, we focus a lot on. We, so we've, we, we work with more than 1,500 enterprises now. And in the conversations I have with, with leaders in there, um, is really that we talk a lot about how the orgs are set up, and um, and and a lot of people are. There's a reason for why we're why we're making the strides on the product side on, on combining, you know, paid ads and and content because a lot of folks have built up content teams and are now struggling with how do I get the the reach that I need here, and, and because of the changing tactics there, what's um, what are the things that that, that folks will be doing. And, and there really is a lot of value in bringing those, those folks together and, as I say, you know, give better payload to the ads guys. Yeah, one of my uh, clients was actually a, a social media team and all their content was coming from a team that had done traditional advertising. So the content, when they would post it on Instagram, just, it looked like an ad, right? <laughs> so there, there's definitely yeah. something to be said for bringing that, the content team together. Yeah, because um, those folks are great at a lot of the, you know, a lot of the three-letter acronyms. They, they, <laughs> re they really understand them, you know, to the bone, and you need that stuff. And it's great to internalize those and, and your staff internally, and if you, if you, you know, or, or find an agency, you can do these things. But, and, and even there's a way to collaborate with external agencies by way of, of, of the, the kind of mental model we, we think and how we, how we build the product. Auric, I know, uh, uh, obviously, it's a busy day for you putting on this event, so I won't keep you too much longer, but um, there are a lot of North American marketers, Japanese marketers that listen to this podcast. Um, yep. For those uh, Japanese North American brands, how can they best engage 
What would be different for them engaging with a European consumer versus a North American or, or an Asian consumer? Well, it, no. Well, I don't think it's... First of all, there's this thing about Europe where at least, you know, a, a lot of also our American friends and, and, and people who build technology companies, they want to go to Europe, they kind of land in the UK, and then there's, you know, just a bit of water. Or Ireland, yeah. <laughs> or Ireland, yeah. And, and then you're kind of there. And, and it's just, you know... You may have some, you know, some, some difference of, of, uh, of, you know, personality, and, and there are differences throughout the states of America for sure. But it is, you know, it's minute compared to the differences in, in culture over here. So I think that that's important. So you often get into a more, more uh, refined setup with, with regional and local markets, local activation, where you take some of those, some of the content pieces, and really want you need to localize them to these. To these markets over here, I think that that's the big challenge often for for American brands. And um, so it's and not. We, we've had a front row seat also to have, uh, really have kind of this multi-brand, multi-region uh, kind of setup for some of, for instance, our larger B two C customers. And that challenge really starts in Europe, and I think we have a unique vantage point that are working with with international brands and multinationals because of that experience. Uh, sometimes ahead of of some of the our, our dear colleagues in the U.S. Right. And I think in terms of one way to kind of promote that is that we set up shop in the U.S. already back in, in 2014 and, you know, have, have a sizable team that we're growing uh, out of the New York City, uh, New York City kind of tri-state area. Hey, Dino. Dino's there, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, it, we're growing that team uh, pretty quickly. We're in our fourth U.S. office, so we wow. started in Broadway. We went to Williamsburg because hey, we want to be the cool kids, and we're kind of pointing at the other guys on the other side of the river. <laughs> and, um, and now we've gotten real scale, now we've, and the L train is shutting down. So we're moving back into to Manhattan, and we're now in, uh, in, in the financial district. Nice. And, and growing out of that office kind of already, which uh, was a flexible lease, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so so we, what we find is that what we're doing is pretty ubiquitous. You know, it's, uh, it's not that... We certainly don't see ourselves as a European specialized vendor. And the growth that we see, we have the fastest growth in the U.S. actually currently. Wow. Um, and I think, I think in terms of network usage parity between those two things, there's a little less Twitter over here. Okay. Um, there's a little more WhatsApp. Uh, in and, Europe, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, but I think if you squint your eyes, those are some of the bigger differences from a channel standpoint. Um, then there's different levels of sophistication in the markets. Where, where you folks in the U.S. are, are definitely ahead in terms of you know, the experience level on teams, uh, how many tools have you tried, how many tactics have you tried, just the general experience level. There's certainly, you know, a head start in the U.S. Um, so, it's, so it's exciting for us to, to work with a growing amount of brands over there. So it's not one Europe, it's, even though there's one EU, it's uh, Norway. And, and just having, oh, come, yeah. having come from Dublin through Berlin to Copenhagen, it's three different countries, three different cultures. You're going to be engaging. Even the south of Germany is very different from the, from the north of Germany. I mean, yeah. it completely is. And, and there, in there, you may be operating within kind of the, the, the realm of difference that you also see in the U.S. But then as soon as you go out of that and go to France, uh, you go to Eastern Europe, you go south into the... To, the Latin countries around the Mediterranean, then um, it's very different. It yeah, just is. and it's funny because often when I'm in Japan and they ask about tools, I will try to point them to European tools vendors because the American tools vendors have this American first 
perspective, and if you want to use it outside of English, the United States, you're, yep. you're screwed. And I'll, I'll never forget a friend that worked at a very, very large Fortune 50 software company, and they were trying to push a tool, an American tool, that did not handle the Japanese language. So he had to find a Japanese partner and say, we can't use it. And I think that uh, in Europe, you understand the need for multilingual capabilities and in being able to target local communities, and you're way ahead of, uh, of American tools in that aspect. Happy to hear that. I think we're <laughs> preaching to the gospel there. All right, so I just want to ask you, we are recording this at the end of 2018, so we're all sort of looking ahead to 2019. Mm -hmm. What does the year hold? And, and I like to say when I do these, you know, I always get asked, what do you see happening in 2009? I don't, it's just continually evolving. Yeah. There, there's nothing that's going to radically change because it's 2019, I'm sure you'd agree. But wh where are the focal points that marketers should be focused on as we begin this new year? And, and how is Falcon uh, going to help them through that? The way we think about the kind of near-term and mid-term future for these, for these platforms is really that whatever tool, I mean, there's a bunch of different tactics. We just talked about some of them. And what you want to do, you want to bootstrap them with some tooling and some platforms and something to kind of hold on to create longevity on all the you know, customer interactions, all the profiles you build up, all those things you want to create, you know, you want to build up repositories of those types of things. And we think as a tool vendor, as a product company, having that mindset is really important. And also thinking outside of the immediate, you know, uh, the things we look at, which is right now social and messaging. And uh, we're, we're, look, we're, we're looking broadly on, on some other things. And, um, and what we're really doing is, um, Basically, three important kind of types of data that flows through a platform like ours. Okay. And we, we like to call that the three centers of gravity. Spoke about this this morning as well. Yeah, I loved it. It really is people, content, and performance data. I think performance is less novel and in terms of digital marketing. Well, it's about performance. Now we can finally measure stuff. Sure. So, so let, let's not talk too much about it. But I think the first part, the, pe the people part, is really what this kind of a middleware type category today called CDP, customer data platforms. And, and I think every tool you use needs to have its own little customer data platform because it needs to aggregate certain things that happens within the realm of that, and then it needs to place freaking nice with everything else in your stack. And that's really important on the people side. I think the CDP moniker, customer data platforms have kind of built out the narrative and, and there's a lot of, lot of things that's kind of been developed around that. I think for us, which is a little bit interesting is, and perhaps slightly more novel, even though it seems mundane on the surface, is that the content piece, kind of the, that middle layer, is something that people are often you know, thinking about when they use tools like us or some of our colleagues who also help content marketers. They, they use tools like ours because of the distribution power and the planning and it's nice and we get the calendar and we can collaborate, it's fantastic, let's do this. And we go off and we create all these good things. What's really happening is that the content being created in those scenarios are really, in many, many cases, the lifeblood of a bunch of different things. Absolutely. I think it is you know, the lifeblood of influencer marketing, a subset of that, as you said yourself, you know, employee advocacy is really a type of influencers that you have close, close to already. I think the entire employee advocacy category is also operating on that same atomic unit of content. So you thinking about your content production as a brand and as a company as something that you need to have uh, you know, a central repository, you need to think about that. You need to have a tool that really understands the life cycle of that content so you can, you know, activate it in different ways. That's how we think about that. So that's kind of the, the center of gravity we're looking at. And with the announcement we have today on the ads piece, it's really taking all that great content that your content teams are doing and make it very easy for, for um, the, 
the performance marketing guys to set up stuff in a seamlessly integrated way that just gives reach on all of that. So what I'm saying, and, and there was an announcement this morning, let's see, last night in San Francisco time, where uh, Sendesk came out and said, we're, not, we're announcing the Sunshine CRM platform, which really is them saying, well, we don't want to be, we don't want to compete with a, a bunch of other CRM. Well, we probably do, but what we're saying is that we're creating something that plays really nice with every, every other profile, every, every other CRM vendor, and, and we completely buy into that, that type of view. I think you need to have tools that handle data in a really good way that kind of you know, integrates whatever happens within the realm of that tool that could be very narrow, uh, niche tools, or it could be you know, a, a wider platform like ours, but you, those platforms need to get their stuff together yeah. and, and, and you know, integrate that, serve that data up for a platter for you or other system or record you may have in place. Yeah, I can't say enough about that. And it's, it's been great exploring your platform as I was invited to speak here and prepare my own content and knowing that you have that CRM, whatever you want to call it, piece because that is going to be so critical when companies want to work with influencers. It's, they're, yes, there are influencer marketing tools, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't have to use 10 different tools. And if you're already engaging through conversation, through content, why can't you capture that in the same tool and it can help you not only with the life cycle of your content, but the life cycle of your engagement with different people. So I think that's an awesome direction. Obviously, if you're listening to this, um, Falcon, I think your, your business model is more for the uh, medium to large enterprise. I don't know how many uh, solopreneurs are going to be able to use your platform. It's obviously very uh, enterprise grade, but definitely if you're in that category, you owe it to yourself to check them out. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Ulrich, thank you so much for inviting me to be here in Copenhagen. It's awesome to get you on and, and share your views. You um, th thank you very much, Ulrich. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming out. And that concludes another exciting episode of Maximize Your Social. We'll be at you from another interesting location here in Europe soon. But until next time, as I like to say, make it a great social day. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Maximize Your Social podcast. Major key alert. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes so others can enjoy it too. Give them some of that. To continue the conversation and empower your business through social media, visit neilshafer.com. Right now. Have a great week. Let's go. And we'll see you on the next episode.